I'm John Gormley. Welcome, greetings. Good to have you here. The 10 o'clock hour, an hour from now, Saskatchewan's smartest radio listener. And uh, we, I'm delighted to have with me this hour. Uh, I'd love to call him a regular because like clockwork, we had him on twice a year. Then the pandemic came and we were all uh, pulling from home. And uh, Dr. Michael Levin is a guest who, when we get him in, and I, it's on me that we should have him at least every six months, he is the MS Clinical Research Chair in Neurology in Saskatchewan. And the work that he does on multiple sclerosis, uh, both he and his team, and some of the incredible opportunities, it's great to always get Michael in. And as I point out frequently, his only character flaw is that he's an Eagles fan. But at eight and one, <laughs> and the way the Packers are playing. <laughs> right. Good morning, John. It's, it's great, great to have you here, my great friend. great to be here again. Um, I always enjoy our time together. And um, yeah, the Eagles are eight and one, man. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I didn't know that on this day, uh, which was when I announced, of course, I'm stepping aside at the end of the month, uh, retirement looming. Uh, I said to a producer, let's get Michael on. So she said, hey, uh, Dr. Levin's on on the first day after you make the announcement. I said, that's perfect. Perfect. So, Good to have you here. Uh, great, great to see you, John. Okay, let's start. Uh, and I think this is, for many of the Saskatchewan people in the MS world, they have family members, they have MS, uh, they know about the impact of this particular disease on them. Why does Saskatchewan have these numbers worldwide that seem to be so high with MS? So it's a, combi- it's a combination of things. And so we don't know, we don't have a direct answer, but we know there are risk factors for developing MS. The first one is if you live in the northern part of the world, you have uh, at least double the risk of getting MS. So there's almost no MS by the equator. And as you step up and go north, risk increases. That's number one. Number two, we do know it's somewhat related to sunlight and activated vitamin D3. So vitamin D is in our diet. It's in milk and cheese and other things we, um, uh, we eat every day. But to activate it so the body can use it, you need sunlight. And so we know that low levels of uh, activated vitamin D3 also increases your risk. The third part is environmental, and that's a viral part. So the virus that causes mono, called Epstein-Barr virus, or EBV, if you get EBV infection as an adult, not as a kid, so I don't want people to worry about their kids, um, but if you get uh, mono or EBV infection as an adult, uh, your risk for MS goes up almost 20 or 30 times. Wow. Now, everyone with mono doesn't get MS. Right. So there's still the genetic factor, and that's what makes MS so complex. And so there are these environmental factors we've talked about, uh, but you know, nine, 99% of people with mono, with mono don't ever get MS. A small percentage do. And so that's what we call the, the genetic predisposition or the genes you're bo- born with um, and we don't know all of those genes, put you at risk for getting MS, and we think you're exposed to these environmental factors we talked about. And because you have this certain array of genes in your body, that triggers MS sometime in your lifetime. So it's a complex, uh, it's a, it's a complex question with a complex uh, answer, um, but we do know some of the risk factors now. What does it do to our bodies, the, the sclerosis part of this disease? Yeah, so great question. So sclerosis means scar. And so what happens is uh, MS has three components. It's autoimmune or inflammatory. That means our immune system, inflammatory cells that are there to protect us. Instead, enter the brain and spinal cord 
and begin to destroy it. And with that, if you know someone with MS, people get MS attacks or relapses depending on where that attack or that scar or that sclerosis happens in the brain or spinal cord. So if it happens behind the eye, that's called optic neuritis, and people lose vision in one eye with some pain behind that eye, and that's a very common MS relapse. If there's inflammation in the spinal cord, your legs may get weak for a couple days, and that's another. So that's the autoimmune part. Uh, that is inflammation that is there to protect us, enters the brain and spinal cord, and begins to destroy it. The second part is if you look at tissue in the brain and spinal cord, it's nerve cells are covered with myelin. It's like the coating on a wire, and hmm. the first thing that gets attacked is myelin, and that's why people get symptoms. And then the third part is the nerve cell itself also begins to get damaged and destroyed, and that's where our new medicines are going to work. So that's the three pieces of MS, autoimmune, demyelinating, and neurodegeneration or damage to nerve cells. Dr. Michael Levin is with us, a professor at the U, also the MS Clinical Research Chair in Neurology, and a guy over, I was just checking your notes and mine, seven years? Yeah, it's been a great run. And I used to tease you, because as a guy who spent a lot of time in New Orleans after your Philadelphia roots, you would walk across, you probably still do, Mm -hmm. the bridges in Saskatoon, and I wondered what that was like on your first minus 40 winter seven years ago. Well, you know, I walked to work, and my friends know this, I I walked to work every day, almost every day, no matter how cold. And that's at City Hospital. And that's at City Hospital. Yeah. Yeah. So I live in Nutana and I, and I walk to City Hospital every day. And there's just one rule about walking in Saskatoon. And that is you dress for the bridge. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so it's been great. And then again, the time has flown by. So when you look at the work you do, uh, both in the, the clinical sense and the research sense, what does your clinic and your group do in this province? Right. So uh, this is really a great Saskatchewan story. So I'm the Saskatchewan Multiple Sclerosis Clinical Research Chair, and that's a mouthful. But let's dissect it for a minute. Around 2010, um, our province um, decided that because of how much MS we have here, that we needed MS expertise. And by the province, I mean everyone who lives here the Health Authority, the Ministry of Health, City Hospital and Zit Foundation, the University Sheriff, everyone combined and created a vision to develop this position called the Clinical Research Chair. And so I just want to spend just a minute or two on the progress we've had in the last seven years. So even though I'm a researcher, uh, I'm a practicing neurologist, I see patients on Thursdays, although most of my time is on research, my vision was you had to fix the clinical enterprise first to make the research work. And so now we have a comprehensive care clinic. We didn't have any uh, MS specialists. Now we have two MS specialists in the clinic, a nurse practitioner, uh, multiple, um, multiple nurses, and really a cohesive, comprehensive MS care clinic for the first time in our province. province's history. We follow more than 1,500 people with MS in in Saskatchewan, and that's about half the population with MS. Wow. Yeah. Because, you know, it's funny. I will talk to people all over the province, and some, as listeners, say, well, you know, I feel like I know Dr. Levin because I hear him on your show, but others will say, there's this doctor in Saskatoon, Michael Levin. (laughs) And so, so people find you with an initial diagnosis generally? 
Yeah, they do. I mean, I, like I said, we have two MS specialists. Uh, I'm one of them. The other one's my colleague, Ilya, Ilya, Dr. Ilya Polikov. And one of the two of us will usually diagnose you, diagnose people with MS early in disease. And the reason why that's so important, and that's the other thing that uh, the people of Saskatchewan made re- really clear to th- these people with a vision is that they wanted to see an MS special- specialist early and confirm the diagnosis. And we have. And the reason that's so important is that the drugs we have available for MS work better early in disease. So earlier diagnosis, treat earlier in disease, and we can uh, reduce your risk of relapses and, um, and disability going forward. So, so though you're based in Saskatoon, you see patients from everywhere, can you replicate that as a standalone f- facility in Regina as well? That's our plan. And so this is a shout out to the Ministry of Health, the Minister of Health. I've not talked about this yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and this Minister, is a shared listen. vision with, with, with Ilya Polakov and I. But, uh, you know, we have this comprehensive care center in Saskatoon. And uh, once we get, again, another MS-trained physician, uh, we'd like to position that person in Regina and link the two clinics. And what makes our clinic unique, and it's the only one in Canada that has this, is that our um, our clinic in MS is linked with the rehab center at City Hospital. And rehab has become a critical part of how we treat people with MS and even put them in clinical trials now. So our vision would be, what we have in City Hospital, is to replicate it at Wisconsin Rehab in in Regina. So we need a dock down there, and then we will need space in their rehab center because we want to integrate rehab just like we have here. We're the only ones in Canada who do this, and it's such an important part of what we do. Um, and then we would hopefully create all the infrastructure and help and then link the electronic medical records so that experience for the patient is seamless, whether they're seen in Saskatoon or Regina. Michael Levin is with us, the MS Clinical Research Chair. He mentioned, uh, and as you heard him talk, not only about being a practicing neurologist, but his work in research, some very interesting research issues that are coming out of Saskatchewan. Coming up next, is there a possibility that we're getting close to some major breakthroughs? My next question to Dr. Levin, now, if you've got any questions, and any time we've got a guest on, especially like Michael Levin, uh, you may want to join us on the phones at 877-332-8255. Same number gets you on our text. Question on MS, we'll talk about it here and now with you on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. John Gormley, midweek Wednesday, Dr. Michael Levin, a great and regular guest on this radio show, the MS Clinical Research Chair. We're talking all things multiple sclerosis, and the phones are lighting up, too, so we'll get a couple of questions in. You were asking me about my past? Yeah, I was. So a friend of mine, a friend of our mutual friend of ours uh, was talking about you last night, and he wanted me to bring up to you CJNB. Can you walk us through that? Well, it's it's my hometown radio station, North Battlefort. Um, I'm 17 years old. I walk into the radio station, and I'm in 12th grade, and I know nothing about radio. And of course, I didn't go to broadcasting school, nothing else. And the manager, Harry, the late great Harry Decker, who also did the morning show, he was a friend of my dad's, and I said, "How do you do this stuff?" And he said, "You want to try?" And uh, 
That's where it all began. Wow. When, I was when was that? Seven, uh, that was the spring of 75. Yeah. I'm in 12th grade. Then I stayed there for a year after and worked. And then university and then yeah. radio in Saskatoon yeah. and where else? So, CJNB. Yeah. Gosh. North Battleford, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, so I, you could say I didn't get far from home, right? <laughs> Most people in radio, you know, go up to bigger <laughs> markets, but no, I was only sufficient to ever get no, no further than uh, Saskatoon and Regina. That's cute. CJNB. Well, thank you. And I'm glad you're here because this was the big announcement this morning that I am stepping aside the end of the month and uh, I have loved having you on over the years. And I've really enjoyed being here. It's been a, it's, it's been a great, um, Great experience and great for the province. Well, and, and I hope and I think, I mean, I have no say over the new host who I'll be unveiling tomorrow, mm-hmm. but people are going to love this host and uh, the producers here still are the same people. So I would mm-hmm. expect they will call you. Okay. Uh, if great. they're doing their work, they'll, right. they're will they doing their okay. job, they'll call you. And so you talked about as a practicing neurologist, you still see patients, but most of your work is on the research side? It is. Um, uh, yeah, most of the time. Most of my work is on the research time, uh, research side. Since I've been here for seven years, um, we've had about 35 students go through the lab. Some stay on and get their master's and PhD. Some have gone uh, gone on to medical school. So we've kind of trained a whole group of, um, of people um, who will be taking care of uh, people in Saskatchewan for, for years to come. So I'm really proud of the, the training of, of young minds we've done to turn on to MS. And so we'll, we'll talk about the, the research, um, the, the clinical part of MS dovetails really important with the research. So, John, we talked about this a minute ago where MS is a relapsing, remitting disease, relapse where you get an attack of neurologic dysfunction, maybe visual loss, and then it gets better, and then you go through a period of time and you're fine, and you get another attack, it comes and goes, comes and goes. All the drugs um, block inflammation. We talked about that in the beginning. And really, it's incredible. Most of the attacks actually go away. So I want to give people perspective about this in my career. Um, and that is the average attack rate in an untreated person with MS is about one attack a year. Mm. Average. On the latest high-efficacy medications, on the medications that are available here in our province, that attack rate goes from about once a year to once to every six to ten years. Dramatic With change. modern drugs. With that's, modern drugs. That's dramatic, astonishing. I didn't know it was that. Yeah, dramatic time in my career, and it's even changed here in the last five years. So we've, we've knocked out the relapses, what I call the yo-yo part of MS, people going up, down, up, down, everything. But what happens is people with MS still get what I call the dwindles. So the attacks have gone away. But then over years, they start to trip over their feet. They can't multitask. They can't keep up with their kids or grandkids. They're not as coordinated. And we call that the progressive stage of MS. There's no treatments for that part, okay? Um, And that part is related to how nerve cells die. And that's where our technology comes in. So there's this major treatment gap, right? So we've gotten rid of the yo-yo part of their life, the relapse have gone away, but people still get worse. That's created uh, both a technology gap and a treatment gap that we think our new drugs will fill and prevent that from happening. So the new drugs you're working on are here? They're, they are here. So, But let, let's talk about how we got there because yeah. it's really been a, a five or six year journey. 
And although I've been studying this protein called A1 for most of my And you've career, explained that to us before. Yeah, and I'll walk you through that again. So we've talked about this protein uh, A1, but what I want to talk about today are the discoveries that were really made here in, in Saskatchewan. Okay, so what are the discoveries and how does that link to, to, to A1? Okay, so we've talked about people get worse because nerve cells die. A protein called A1 in, a ner- in, our ner- in our nerve cells lives in the middle of the cell called the nucleus. In MS, it gets stuck outside of the nucleus and called the cytoplasm. Our new drugs designed here go into the nerve cell, bind A1. By binding it, that releases A1 from the wrong part of the cell and allows it to float back in, back into the nucleus. And when you send A1 home where it belongs, where it lives most of its life, nerve cells stop dying and they begin to grow back and regenerate. That's astonishing. Yeah. And you can do that with a drug now? We can do it now, so it's preclinical. So we can do it in nerve cells grown in a dish. That's how you do science. You start that, and we actually have human nerve cells now growing in it. We have mouse nerve cells growing in a dish. We have human nerve cells growing in a dish, and it works. Then we give it to mice, who we actually give MS first, and MS-like disease, and we give those mice those drugs, and in our first uh, try with, with mice, they also got better. And if you looked at their brain and spinal cords in the nerve cells, A1 went back home where it belonged in the nucleus, and those nerve cells stopped um, dying. So again, this is all the preclinical work, and there's a lot to do before we get it into, into people. And our hope is to get it in early clinical trials, at least safety trials, here in our province within three to five years. Three to five years. Yeah, we need some. Uh, we need some investment, you know, yep, to get okay. all this preclinical work done and to get it done quickly. I'm going to need to add to my team, and so we may be reaching out to Saskatchewan again to invest in in my chair. But it'll be specifically to get these medications to people with MS as quickly as we can. Let's talk more about that. And let's get to the phones. Uh, JP has a question to Dr. Levin. Michael Levin is here, the Multiple Sclerosis Clinical Research Chair. MS, you know the stories of the high incidence rate in Saskatchewan, and that's a pretty hopeful development we're hearing now on the drug front. Uh, You may want to join us on the phones at 877-332-8255. Same number gets you on our text. Question on MS, we'll talk about it here and now with you on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Uh, Dr. Michael Levin, who is the MS, Multiple Sclerosis Clinical Research Chair in Saskatchewan. Uh, and we're going to go a little deeper. This is pretty exciting new research that he and his group are doing in Saskatoon. But anytime Dr. Levin is in the studio, uh, your call's at 877-332-8255. A JP in Saskatoon, you're on with Dr. Levin. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. I'm sorry. Sorry to hear about your retirement, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, all things uh, eventually come. <laughs> well, I guess you're right. Well, nice to hear from you too, Dr. Levin. Um, my name is JP. I am a uh, MS sufferer, I guess. I have second, pro- second progressive, secondary progressive MS, I guess that's what it's called. Yes. Um, I live in Saskatoon. I'm really... Uh, trying to stay as healthy as I can. 
so that when the breakthroughs come in, I'll be in a place maybe that I can use them. Um, and I was wondering, uh, I know you're located at City Hospital. How would someone get into a program where you could maybe do rehabilitation in a, in a clinical setting? Sure. So, um, JP, thanks for the, thanks for the question. And, um, you want to know how to get involved in, uh, in MS care in a, in a rehab, in a rehab setting. But you said a couple other things first. I just want to touch on. So it sounds like you have secondary progressive MS. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Okay. So we've talked about this. There's the relapsing remitting phase. And then when the relapses go away, people secondarily, second time in their life, get this slowly progressive disease. And that's where we think our drugs are going to work. So they're really designed for people just like you. To get into rehab, um, there's a couple ways. So um, one is uh, if you get referred to our clinic, the MS clinic in Saskatoon, we can link you with those rehab people. And I think that's the, the, the best way to do it. And um, there is a neuro, and, and I'm blanking on it, so I apologize, but there also is an online program for, for rehab uh, as well, and I think it's called NeuroSask. And if you go to our website and click on NeuroSask, that'll introduce you to the online rehab program. And just put in Saskatchewan MS Clinical Research Chair, you'll, go, you'll see my website, and click on NeuroSask, and that will send you to the online program then refer us to our clinic, and we can link you to rehab. Okay, all right. JP, good luck on that. So Google uh, MS or multiple sclerosis? Is your, um, is just, MS, just or, MS Clinical Research yeah, Chair? Yeah, SK, SKMS Clinical Research Chair, anything like Perfect. that. Um, my name will come up, and it'll go to um, the website. Dr. Michael Levin is here. JP, hey, thanks, and good luck on the, on the journey. So when we go now to this level you're at, so preclinical testing, uh, and this is a drug that moves the protein A1, which has migrated outside uh, into the uh, cytoplasm, cytoplasm that's right. yep. outside the nucleus. Yes. The drug actually moves it back into the nucleus, and the cell begins to regenerate. Yes. So... Preclinical, that's the mice test level? Yeah, it, it's multiple, it, it's multiple things. So one is, um, we, we first test it on, um, uh, nerve, nerve cells grown in a dish. And John, you asked me, when did I have that aha moment? And we grew, uh, mouse nerve cells in a dish and we added the drug and we saw A1 go back in the nucleus. The and did that happen quickly? Yeah, it happened. It's a great question. It, we, we think it happens um, in about a day or less, in, in 24 hours or less, in nerve cells grown in a dish. Wow. Yeah. So now in the mice, would it be a little slower than that? Sure. In the mice, um, and then we gave uh, mice, and we uh, we gave it to them by mouth orally, so it's got to get through the whole system mm -hmm. and find the brain and spinal cord. And in the, in the mice... Um, it, it took a couple weeks. Okay. It took a couple weeks. And so we do nerve cells grown in a dish. We do mice. And then the third thing is a little bit more complicated. We actually do it in rats, and that's called pharmacokinetics. Complex term, but actually, intuitively, we all know what it means. So if you take a Tylenol, and it says on the back of the bottle, you can only take it every four or six hours. 
That's pharmacokinetics. That's because we know how long it lasts in the blood and how long it works. And so, we, so you don't take too much. That's what all those instructions on the back of the bottle are. These are brand new drugs. So we have to um, give these drugs, and these happen to be in rats. We have to give these drugs by mouth. We have to give these drugs by vein. We have to invent the assays to measure them. We have to measure them in blood and figure out how, for how long they last in the blood, how long they work, and ensure that they're not toxic. And so that's the other part of preclinical testing. And it does take a long time, but for all the right reasons, you know, these drugs have to be found to be safe in people. So are you at that pharmacokinetic level now? We are. We're starting those now. And and they take take at least a year or two, depending on on staffing and funding. but again, you know, the, the, the bottom line first and foremost is, is safety first. We have to make sure they're safe in people, non-toxic in people, um, before we give it to them. And that's how you do it. So when you start to move to, and I, I should know this because we talked so much, of course, uh, in the pandemic about uh, vaccine testing. Once it gets into human trials, mm-hmm. what are the different levels? Yeah, there, so there's three or four levels. Phase one is pure safety. So we might give this new medication at one or two doses to 10 people. And again, we measure it in the blood. We measure um, all their organ tests, you know, the blood tests you get uh, from your doctor that tests the liver and the heart and the kidney things. That we, and we measure, we measure it in the blood and make sure it's not toxic in people. First, that's phase one. Phase two is what we call early efficacy studies where we actually would compare this drug to another drug or this drug to a, pl- a placebo, something that looks like it, but is not it. And then we would uh, try to do that trial over a year or so and see if there's a signal that it's actually working. And if we see it's working in phase two, then you go to the ultimate large multi-center, probably worldwide, phase three trials that usually include anywhere between three and 500 people with MS, half get the drug, half get placebo, and then we see if it really works. Three mm, okay. phases, three phases. You're right. And then that's where you're picking the patient to say you need the secondary remitting kind of patient. So they, right. they all present with the same exactly. condition. Exactly, yeah. And so um, it may work for relapsing d- disease, but remember, we already have a great armamentarium of drugs for people with relapses. There are no drugs yet for people with this secondary progressive MS or something else called primary progressive MS. So we would be looking for those people specifically, secondary progressive MS and primary progressive MS. So I'm just curious on the nature of the the relapsing. And and as you've said, if you go from an average of one attack a year with no medication to one every six or 10 years with medication, that... Is it safe to say that probably will be a thing of the past eventually, where you'll get those attacks, or am I getting a little premature? I'm sorry, ask that again. So will we be able to have drugs where people won't get those relapses? Oh, ever, 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 ever. ever. Um, You know, we may, some people, when I say every one to six to ten years you get an attack, some people don't get attacks at all. It simply gets progressive. Yeah, yeah, you know, and everyone's different. MS is highly variable, but some people on these uh, new drugs actually never get another relapse. So we think that, uh, again, this is where we think our drug fits in. We think these people will be taking a drug to stop their relapses and then taking our new drug to prevent them from getting worse. It'll probably be a combination therapy. So when people get worse, that progressive or degenerating kind of decline, 
Do we know what the cycle is or is that for every patient? Because yeah. I've had friends who have had MS for their lifetime. I've had other friends who had it who just you could see the decline and yeah. they passed. It's different for everyone. And you use the perfect term because that's what we call We call it degenerative or neurodegenerative because we know the nerve cells and their axons are dying. But that slope or that curve, and I've been doing this for a long time, is really different in everybody. Mm. And so what you're seeing is what also we see as healthcare providers. You're right. Some people are lucky and it kind of levels out. Other people, you know, might go from the progressive phase. So, you know, average, if you're in primary progress, if you have primary progressive MS, average from diagnosis to wheelchair is about 12 years. And so you're right. You can, some people, these medicines flatten out the curve and they're doing just fine. And some people slowly get worse. And it really is individual for everybody. Michael Levin is with us. He's the MS Clinical Research Chair for Saskatchewan. One of his regular stop-ins, we try to get Dr. Levin in a couple of times a year because there are always updates, there's always new things, and the word this morning that uh, the protein A1, which migrates out of the nucleus and, of course, causes uh, those cells to start uh, dying, there's a way with, at least at the very uh, preclinical levels, to deal with that and get that protein back into the nucleus of these cells. We'll talk more about this. And, of course, a couple of calls as well at 877-332-8255. We're talking Saskatchewan and, as you know, our unique relationship with multiple sclerosis. I'm John Gormley on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Michael Levin is here. We take calls every time he's here as the multiple sclerosis clinical research chair for Saskatchewan. Uh, Naomi, thank you for hanging on. You're on with Dr. Levin. Hi. Good morning, Dr. Levin and John. Um, First-time caller, long-time listener, and MS warrior of 20 years. (laughs) Wow. Good for you. Yeah. I just had a question for Dr. Levin. Um, I was first diagnosed in 2003 with primary progressive since then it's the the diagnosis of his bounce back and forth i've i've been told i have um relapsing remitting and then it's primary progressive and then i've told secondary progressive and then back to relapsing remitting i am just wondering this a1 it sounds very interesting to me i've done a lot of research on the last 20 years Dealing with this, I'm wondering when it'll open to human clinical trials because I would love to be a guinea pig. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for your question. And, and so, uh, again, the, the preclinical testing and the safety testing is really, really important. So um, it's just not going to happen tomorrow. Uh, we hope that it gets into safety trials in people in three to five years. The way to learn about a clinical trial at any, at any, anyway is probably two ways. Um, if you're in uh, our clinic in City Hospital, we actually asked your um, permission to contact you about future research studies. We need your consent to do that. Um, but we'll also be announcing these pub- publicly. So there'll be two ways to enter this clinical trial, directly through the clinic if you've given us permission to contact you, and there will be a, a public announcement. Good stuff. Well, this is interesting, because you and I go back seven years, it turns out, since you got here. Joni drops a note. I met Dr. Levin 
December 2017, in a delirious state, I didn't know what my life would look like in future. He has helped change my life after diagnosis, and he impacts others. I am living my best life, and I thank you, Dr. Levin. Great. Thank you. I really uh, appreciate that. Really, really appreciate that. You made my day. So you were uh, telegraphing that none of this comes without, I mean, obviously, you've only got you and one other neurologist. So the expansion of getting at least one more doc, uh, the research capacity, as you begin to move forward on what could be this absolutely groundbreaking drug, none of this comes without financial support. Yeah. So um, Saskatoon City Hospital Foundation, they originally, were they not part of getting you here? They were. They were. The, they kind of took the the lead on that. Uh, they were the they were the foundation with a vision to bring in uh, MS expertise um, into the province. So yes, they were the they were the lead in in developing and raising funds for the MS research care. So they just what a couple of days ago um, announced an additional seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars yeah. toward the research. Incredible, and this is exact. These funds are for this preclinical testing for okay. A one. And I just want to spend a, a moment and say how much I appreciate the board and actually listening to me and actually supporting it. And I feel like you know this is a return on their investment. They invested in me six or seven years ago. And in that time, we have the possibility to treat people with MS starting here from their support from discoveries made here. We need more support going forward. And that $750,000 will go right to preclinical testing for these A1 drugs. That's encouraging. So so in the research field, I mean, we have obviously, um, when these things are marketed, there's the, the whole pharmaceutical industry, there's the research side, the ramping up at this level must be challenging. Yeah, um, it, it is. It is. And so it takes... Um, uh, it's, that's a multi-level question. Yeah, that's a multi-level question. Um, so one, it, it does. It takes, you know, the research still has to go full steam ahead. And we right. talked about the different pieces of that. We need the clinical piece. We also need um, expertise in pharmaceuticals and marketing and how to get things, you know, from the bench into people. And I just want to say um, how appreciative I am of the support and the $750,000 goes a long way. Um, and John, I don't want to sound like a pig, but we probably need five times that to get that into right. people. So this is going to be a that. major kind of commitment we've got to push. This to. is a major commitment going forward. It's always great having you by. So if somebody today gets an MS diagnosis, the the critical path into your groups into the rehab how do they how do they make sure they connect with uh, your right. group so one two and three it's in our system make a referral to the ms clinic at saskatoon city hospital those referrals are looked at and triaged every day and you know the sickest people go first um but almost everyone can be seen in our clinic if we think you have ms it has been, I can now talk in the past tense, because I'm only here for two more weeks, but it has been a joy spending time with you. And I know my successor uh, and the production team, if they were uh, thinking, will get you in and follow this progress. Uh, thank you so much, my friend. This has been great. Thanks so much. And the hour always goes so quickly. I feel like we could we could, we could could do two hours. We, but easily. <laughs> Thanks, Michael, Don. see you soon. Pleasure. Michael Levin, uh, the guy who seven years ago arrived here, he is the MS Clinical Research Chair, and we always get great updates on all things multiple sclerosis in this great province. I'm John Gormley. Oh my goodness, Saskatchewan's smartest radio listener, you.
next on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.